Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unpacking the Word. I'm Barrett, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Luna. And uh, this podcast, this is where we dive deeper into what it means to live in an ethnocidal society in the U.S. and uh, how we can combat that by creating a sustainable culture and just being aware of how ethnocide impacts our, our lives on a daily basis. Yeah, thanks, Barrett. Um, so today, just kind of in line with what it means to live in an ethnocidal society, we're going to talk about the common space. Perfect, or the lack thereof. Right. Um, and actually, <laughs> I wanted to bring this up with you, Barrett, because um, I'm not sure if you've seen on Twitter. <laughs> Probably but, haven't. Uh, Um, It's gotten a little wild since a certain millionaire took over the platform. And I will argue it's always been a little bit wild, but a little bit more, even so, even more so unhinged. Um, And I actually saw a tweet by somebody recently that talked about why we have to kind of care about what happens on our social media platforms, right? Okay. Um, and it's because social media platforms have become the common space, right? And I know in your book, you talk about how there used to be town squares, public squares where people could gather, commune, talk about, you know, maybe some community updates or share opinions or even accuse one another <laughs> of wrongdoings and try to find justice, right, within the community. So that, I mean, obviously that doesn't happen anymore, right? People live in houses in HOAs um between gates essentially they don't really talk to neighbors right that that community that communal culture has kind of disappeared I want to say from neighborhoods and also there's just no true community town gathering anymore right it's hard to when you're living in a capitalistic society you work a nine-to-five and then there's a town hall meeting at 7 p.m. like maybe all you want to do is just go home cook dinner and then fall asleep to the television (laughs) so I'm curious to hear I mean first of all what you think about this about what this tweeter was saying in regards to social media platforms being our new public town square and kind of what you yeah how how has the common space changed so I'd say and like the American experience, American experiment, um, there just has never been a common space. Like, they just think of it practically. Like, uh, colonizers weren't here to share space with indigenous people. Like, they didn't really have an agenda to do that. Um, and so their space was always private space, essentially. You know, it was private yeah. space. They're coming here. They're going to draw lines uh, on the ground, make them up. And they're going to say, this is our private space and other people aren't allowed to come in. And so that's clearly from the beginning, just a destruction of the commons of common space. And that's the status of how they did it. And then within that, that space that they created, which was, you know, essentially like prestigious private land. um, They then, forcibly brought African people into it and put them within that private land and then created space within that to separate people. And so mm-hmm. philosophically, you know, colonization and America and clearly ethnocide is based around 
normalizing that division. And if it's based around normalizing division and privatizing space, then you're not going to have common space. Philosophically, you're just going to be told not to make it. I think one thing that happens is most places that haven't been shaped by colonization, they've had a long tradition of common space because that's just how people survive. People come together and say, you know, collectively we all live in this area. What can we do together to try to survive here forever? There's like a collective philosophy. It's pretty rudimentary to human existence. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, when people come to the U.S., they clearly will bring that sense of community with them. And it makes sense that they, they assume that that sense of community can live and survive in this other country because it exists in like all the other countries, essentially. Yeah. But this country's philosophy is about dismantling that common space and in favor of like privatization and division. And then at some point people wake up and they realize that they need it. And so they look at the real world and they can't see how they could make it in the real world. And so now it's like, maybe I could make it in the digital world, but then they can't make it in the digital world because philosophically they've been taught about the benefit of destroying that space. And so like, there's a thing that they innately feel they need and all they know what to, how to do is to destroy that space. And it's just like a vicious cycle. Or that the space is a place for the so-called free speech, right? In which a lot of the times that free speech is hateful speech and encourages a certain viewpoint against certain communities and or like incites violence against certain communities, right? Right. So it's interesting because the digital space is kind of a way to recreate that old public space that people used to have. Mm-hmm. And it is also still not perfect. <laughs> well, it's, it's also because of what their definition of or concept of what freedom is. So mm. let's say you live in a society that's based on privatization. And so mm-hmm. owning land is going to be the most important thing or owning something. That's going to be what you aspire to do. It's not going to be, what you do with it it's going to be owning it so there's a certain like irresponsibility that comes with that like if you own a bunch of land and you do disastrous stuff to it in a privatized world they'll say well he can do whatever he wants with it it's his he owns it whatever like if they made a bad choice hey he owns it who cares and so that like destruction will be perceived as a natural extension of that person's freedom. They're free to do what they want. They own the space. It has nothing to do with being sustainable or nurturing or any sort of sharedness. And so if the freedom in a privatized perspective is the freedom to do whatever you want without really any repercussions because you own it, you're going to go into a common space and then want to express what you consider to be freedom which is something that's philosophically diametrically opposed to sustaining that space and so then they'll destroy it because they want to be free but they want to be free in like a private way not free in a communal way like if you if you're Mm -hmm. trying to 
think of freedom in a way of like sharing space. You clearly aren't going to view that freedom as doing whatever you want. That freedom is going to be how can you modify and, and, and do stuff to live as equitably and as balanced with the people in the space that you're sharing. Because the goal is for you to be able to share it. That's what freedom will look like. So like, you know, let's say, uh, say, say I'm sharing space with like a family member or something. And uh, mm-hmm. they didn't do the dishes on time. They, like the, the dishes have piled up and I right. don't like it. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, if the goal of the philosophy on my side and on their side is that they want to, sh- we want to share space for a long amount of time. I'm not going to interact with that person in a way to, that could, would alienate them and make them want to leave. And they wouldn't interact with me in a way where I want to leave or I would want them to leave. Mm-hmm. So the words you use would be different, you know, because the goal is to share the space. So a free way of interacting would be a, saying something freely in a way so that we can civilly and like peacefully get these dishes cleaned on time, you know, get these dishes clean. It's fine, you know, which can very well be maybe I need to chill out a little bit and, you know, it's just a couple hours or whatever. It's not that big of a deal, you know. That mm-hmm. person might have had a really stressful day and they just didn't do it when they wanted to because other things popped up. Cool. That yeah. might solve it. But if I'm viewing freedom as if like this is my private space and I run the whole thing and if someone's not doing stuff within my private space how I perceive it, well then clearly expelling them from the space is always on the table. Yes. So. Yeah. So logically, because it's your space, it's my you space. Own it. I own yeah. it. Yeah, they by he, being in it, they're my guest. You know, I'm allowing exactly. them. And when I mm-hmm. decide to no longer allow them in this private space, then I'll just yell at them. And that's how I will think an expression of my freedom will be. America, that's how we view freedom a lot. It's very disruptive through ownership. Yeah, through ownership. Right. If you own something, you have every right to be able to dictate the the boundaries right the limits of which that thing is supposed to operate Mm -hmm. so already you know like what does it mean to kind of have like a a and i mean that kind of just helped synthesize this whole also kind of the what this tweeter was saying like it doesn't make sense for us to call like twitter or any social media platform like a, a digital public space because it's owned by these private social media companies. Mm-hmm. Already, it's like a privatized digital landscape for all of us. And we have to abide by their policies, by whoever, you know, their engineers, their C- their corporate executives, um, the policies that they're putting out, they're enforcing or not enforcing and bending the rules for. And... Uh, yeah, that's not a public space. <laughs> no, and so like the th- the thing is, it's not a issue about whether you agree or like that there are policies or not. Like everything's going to have a policy, but the question is like, what's the philosophy behind those policies? Like mm. the philosophy of a company, like those policies are to make money, because companies exist to do that. 
And so yeah. a public spa- space, a town square, that doesn't exist to make money. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it exists to be like the heartbeat spirit of a community where people come together and sustainable stuff happens. Sometimes that could be money. Sometimes it could be something completely different. But like the goal isn't you don't make a town square because you're trying to profit on the people that go in there all the time. Like that's not right. why it exists. And so then it doesn't become public, right? If you're charging, become, for example, if you were to charge for people to use it, or if you were to charge ent- like an entrance fee, it doesn't become public anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. private, exactly. And so mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the the rules. And so this is the thing that that makes America just so confusing. Is like there's a lot of things that make America confusing. <laughs> I was but, gonna say. <laughs> so there's so many things. Like it's, um, but since we don't have public space. Because colonizers came to privatize everything. Like that's literally what, that's been their agenda since day one. Mm -hmm. But people know that we need it. We know, they know that they need public space. And so what they then Mm -hmm. try to do is to create a public space within a private space. And then they get upset that like the ideas, the philosophies of that private space undermine the public space and it's like well of course that's going to happen because they have completely different philosophies you can't they're not going to work at some point the privatization is going to undermine the public space because that's just like what it's meant to do Mm, and so mm -hmm. since we have this idea that you can make a public within the private we then will start imagining that like a private space is basically the same as a public space it can be and it's like no it, it can't be. And that's not because it's like inherently bad or something. It's just you need to know what something's meant to do. And if you imagine mm-hmm. that something is meant to do the opposite of what it's meant to do, well, then everything becomes confusing. Now up is down and down is up and left is right and right is left and nothing makes any sense. You get disappointed because logical things happen because you think stuff's yeah. upside down. And like right. that's what happens here like another thing i the tweet you shared this person was also like calling common space or public space third spaces like i know that term is used all the time but the fact that common space in our society is considered the third space the space that comes after your job and after your home already highlights the problem when like the reality is that the common space is the first space and your home is the second space, and your job is the third space. You know, like yeah, it's already backwards. Like we were doing it right. backwards, and they were like, "Why is it not working?" Like the cart's supposed to be before the horse. You know, like it's <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Got the order wrong. <laughs> yeah, and, and so it's it's all it's just backwards, and that's why if you if you're doing something backwards and you're trying to go forwards, you're gonna be bad at stuff (laughs) actually let's also backtrack too so could you talk a little bit about the the commons and the strategy of the commons too Uh, (laughs) because i realized we just kind of dove into it without really talking or laying the groundwork of the commons perfect so like the commons is so, so if you have to go like england back in the day and the commons was essentially just like shared land that people would like farm communally. And so instead of like it being like a plot of land, 
that was just all for corn or something. It's no, the people in the town would plant a whole array of different stuff in this one land. And that became like the food for the community. And of course there are people that like manage the commons. You couldn't just go in there willy nilly and plant this next to that because, you know, (laughs) it has to like these, these things have to grow. They have to work harmoniously. There, there requires some precision and some care and knowledge to do it. But this common space, this shared space existed to provide sustenance for people in the UK. Um, And that was the commons. Eventually it started to disappear as uh, British monarchs and aristocrats started coming in and buying up all of this land. And when they would buy up the land, they would were focusing on like the specialization of like particular types of crops because that's how you could maximize profits. Like if you have it dedicated to, you know, beef, cattle, whatever, or or this thing or that thing, you know, this monoculture created more money, and then from that money you could you know do whatever. But what it then meant is that the people who used to live on that land and were reliant on the commons for their food source and their communal gathering and all that kind of stuff, that just went away. And they then became essentially like quite dependent on the landowners for living because they couldn't grow their food. Because, you know, if you're the land's only for growing one thing and you can't grow all the multiple things, how are you going to get the, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. And so the commons just like disappeared in the UK over time and everything became quite prioritized privatized um Mm -hmm. if we're thinking like the commons outside of the uk you know you can think of town squares and stuff like that like communal gathering places is another type of it but within the english language of the commons you know this and that also goes to the english word the like commoner where like a commoner is like a lower class person that's because those are the people who use the commons you know like the rich people bought it up and destroyed it, the poor people were reliant on the commons. And so there's already within the English language like a negative perspective on commons and the people that use it, and that's very problematic. Well, around, you know, early 1900s, this uh, American guy wrote a thing called uh, The Tragedy of the Commons, and everyone, like lots of people have to read it, and it's just really, just a dumb idea. Um, And so the tragedy of the commons that he theorized was that the commons was destined to fail because at some point someone's going to go in there and conclude that it's beneficial in their individual self-interest to like use the commons in a particular way that's not for the common good that it's inevitable that this like selfish perspective is going to show up and destroy the commons and so he's called that the tragedy of the commons not the tragedy of like selfish self-centered people you know, the comment itself was the problem because it was human nature to be selfish is kind of like what he theorized. He didn't say it like that because that would make his idea sound bad, but that's essentially his idea. Yeah. I was just <laughs> going to say that doesn't make any sense when you say it like that. You know what I mean? But when 100%. you say it's the tragedy of the commons, you assume there's something inherently wrong with the commons, not the right. people using the commons right it'd be like saying like (laughs) it'd be like calling something like the tragedy of houses because a house could get robbed you know like right like yeah houses are problems because inside a house you have all of your valuable stuff and at some point someone might look through the window because you need to have windows in your houses you know gotta have sunlight come in and they might see the stuff in there and say i want it and then they could break in and take your stuff 
And so now that's called right. the tragedy of houses. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's essentially human nature. It's human nature <laughs> for them to see your to stuff and to want to go. Yes. Yeah. And so <laughs> for, for the commons, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. it's human nature for someone to see this group of people working collectively to sustain that land and then to say, I'm going to go into that space and I'm going to act in an individualistic manner that disrupts the whole commons and makes it fall apart because that's human nature. Straight up, it's pretty obvious that a white person in America whose society is based on colonization would view that as human nature because our society is based on people doing that generationally to all the indigenous people on the continent, you know? So that makes, and at the same time, uh, Garrett Hardin, the person who wrote the tragedy of the commons, he was from Louisiana. He wrote this during Jim Crow. And so there's a whole other dynamic of just how he perceived people that weren't white um and when you think of louisiana which has a historically had a very large african-american population because it's a port city so like there's a lot of black people there and in these places like south carolina like charleston the ports you couldn't even within the the white community have common space either because if african-americans were allowed to collectively gather then that would make it likely that they could start having rebellions and trying to like get away. And so the idea of common space within this segregated South, whether it's Jim Crow or slavery in the 1800s, mm-hmm. was you couldn't have commons because people in those common spaces would be black people and they're going to come with crazy ideas like not wanting to be enslaved. And so there is a whole negative idea of commons and that, the way for society to live is for like one group of people to selfishly work to preserve their existence at the expense of all the people who aren't like them. So for Garrett Hardin and all the other white Americans who during that time were very much like pro-segregation and also pro-indigenous erasure, common space is a threat to their existence. And Viewing things selfishly, where you're going to live at the expense of other people, is just human nature. Mm-hmm. And so that's why America, in many ways, doesn't have commons. We've been built around not having commons, and the people who destroy it articulate that the problem resides with the commons and not their philosophy of destroying people's capacity to like exist and live on the planet. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when truly, the bad, I mean that when the bad guy yeah. is telling the story, they're gonna make their bad stuff sound good, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like tragedy of the commons, right? right? It's not a problem with the people who are in who are inciting, you know, separation, segregation. It's a it's a problem of the land or the space. Or something outside, something that we cannot control, right? Yeah. Supposedly. Ex- the problem exists with the other. And yes, yeah. The, that's the a good way o- of putting it. The other, they're trying to live in the commons. So that's tragic. You know, all the black people are trying to come together communally. And when they do that, they start trying to, like, not be enslaved. <laughs> that's a problem. That thing's tragic. We're going to have to have a white person go in there and disrupt that. And that'll save the day. 
all these indigenous people, they're living without even the idea of private property. <laughs> what? That means I could just go in there and disrupt all the stuff and they don't have any laws to prevent me from going in and taking all their stuff? Man, they're stupid. I'm the smart one because I just like decimated everything that they've been cultivating, sustaining for like hundreds of years. So they'll view it as tragic. And that's, that's just how it's viewed. And so now we have so many people in America that are trying to live in commonality, have common space, mm. find common mm-hmm. ground, you know, all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. And then they recognize that we just don't have it. And they want to try right. to make it on social media or, they, or when a tragedy happens, they go, we need to find common ground with like an idea that like that existed before when it didn't. And mm-hmm. that's because we live mm-hmm. in a place that doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how to make it because we just know we've been taught to destroy it. Well, I mean, SEL knows, right? It's about like developing new sustainable philosophies, right? So I'm going to ask you, like, what do you think is it going to gonna kind of, there's, I'm sure, a better way of, asking this question but what does it mean to like build a commons you know what does it mean to have like shared public space perfect so the we that i said before is america as a whole at scale essentially like scl has recognized the problem and we are addressing it and so the thing that's funny about the solution is that since we live in a place that hasn't ever made it the solutions will seem not like solutions to people because they're so foreign. So like a key way of changing the dynamic and cultivating commons is a new perspective on language where like why you speak and how you speak and the meaning of words, like are you saying stuff with a goal of sustaining a community or are you saying things where your concept of freedom is your capacity to say whatever you want and somebody else just having to deal with it. Like, like for, for example, I had this friend and we were friends for a while. I don't think we're friends anymore. And the person would casually say that they have like a bad temper. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never seen that temper happen, but whatever. And then all of a sudden. To me, that's a red flag. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's totally a red. <laughs> it's totally a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> and then one, and then one day, that person's temper happened, and we don't hang out anymore. Okay. Wow. And so, you think about it, and it's like that person knew they had something about them that was problematic, and the way to resolve that problem in their brain was to not resolve it just to like let people know that it like looms over everything and that it'll just show up one day and it could destroy anything at any moment. And that's just And don't how... be surprised and don't just be su- because they told you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's just like, this is it. Like I have this capacity to just destroy stuff and I'm aware of it. Yeah. And the way to... It's re- terrifying. Yeah, 100%. on the other side, that's terrifying. Yeah, to hear yeah. that. Ooh, it's just it's one of those things where you you when you think about it, you've heard it countless times where someone says that they have a temper, you know, like mm-hmm. there's someone like and it, it they they'll say it in a really like innocuous way, because <laughs> truly, yeah, 
You know, like I, yeah. I just, I just have a temper and it's like, huh, you're talking about yourself in a way in which you don't feel like you have control of yourself. And that when you express it, there's like some sort of like maybe an obligation on other people to just deal with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That philosophically is a way that will destroy the comments and that impacts your mm-hmm. language, it impacts the perception of yourself, where, you know, that using that type of destructive language is something that you're like tacitly condoning and just say, oh, you know, at some point I'll just needlessly burn something to the ground and then I'll just move on and life will keep on going and everything's fine. And it's like, man, that right there is philosophically problematic at a massive scale. And like, and this isn't to say that people aren't allowed to have tempers that they're not allowed to be mad at angry things. yeah and to like have these fully fleshed out emotions yeah but it's one thing to you know feel that and then it's another to be aware of it and not do anything about it exactly <laughs> or to or to put that onus onto others to do something about it for you and and the thing is like this boils down to language because like I play soccer and I like playing soccer and I really don't like losing soccer games. I just don't like it. You know, it's not a thing I enjoy. But I also know that like when I'm not having fun and we're like losing a game, I need to pay extra attention to the words that I use because I'm Mm -hmm. not trying Mm -hmm. to alienate and destroy the team. I have to figure out a way for like the words that come out of my mouth to be productive, to sustain the group and hopefully help us win more games. Like that's a philosophical, like as I would use SEL language, like an evtopian, like sustainable, nurturing, good way of expressing yourself, which then manifest in the, not just the words you say, but like your general demeanor. Like, you know, you can be furious and talk to somebody in a calm fashion. That's like how you start cultivating community because you interact with people in a way to sustain the community. And you're not interacting with them in a way where like, I don't care if you're here or not, which in America, quite often, not caring if someone's here or not and expressing that, people view that as an expression of freedom. And it's like, man, that's a very destructive, unfree way of perceiving freedom. Like, if I'm going to be free with other people, because if you're free all by yourself, it's like a tree falling in the woods and no one is anyone around. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, who cares (laughs) if you're free and it doesn't impact anybody? Like, how is that free? Like, it's just your own delusions concluding whether it's free or not. (laughs) you know Mm, mm -hmm. like it's it's irrelevant that's a good point yeah (laughs) and so if i'm going to be free for that to be real freedom i need to be able to do it with other people and it can't be like i do it with like a one-off where like i'm free with this one person on a tuesday and then i alienated them and then i found another person on wednesday and then i said something it's like no i'm not a parasite (laughs) (laughs) and so so the thing is like using appropriate language And having a philosophy that guides that language is a way to create that community. Mm -hmm. And then you go from there. 
And then from that, you can start building a multitude of things. It's not going to be like a linear progression. It's going to be like, you know, the, 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 the practices and the rituals and the routines you create will, you know, go in so many different ways. And another thing I would say, just to add, is if you don't have that philosophy, and this is why I think people look for social media and all sorts of stuff, is what you'll do is you'll create like tools. You'll think that the tool will be the thing that'll give you the freedom. But it's just a tool. Like, yeah. Like, I can use social media in a good way because I have a philosophy that will guide how I interact with it. But social media yeah. in and of itself isn't inherently good. And like, it's not going to make me good by engaging in it. It's just a thing that I have the capacity to engage with because it's a tool. The philosophy right. is going to sustain it. You know, they're trying to make a tool to create common spaces and it's not being sustained because the philosophy in the society is one for private spaces. And so it's not going to work because our philosophy is to destroy the tool or to corrupt the tool. Or, yeah, yeah. Or it's like a, a public space kind of advertisement. It looks and feels like a public space, right? Where you can tweet whatever you want to tweet or post whatever you want to post, right? With certain guidelines that are sometimes enforced and sometimes not enforced. And, uh, but the, the goal is to keep you on that platform longer so that they make money, essentially mining your data or, you know, advertisers will put things on there to get you to buy stuff because it's appealing, it's visually stimulating, etc. Well, so, like, Twitter, yeah. people liked it when it wasn't making money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. it was it was doing as close as you could as being a common space in a privatized world and that it just wasn't making money. It wasn't doing right. the thing that private spaces are supposed to do, which is make money. Yeah. People are disliking it now because Elon Musk is like, I got to figure out how this thing can make money. It's a private enterprise. It's a private thing. It exists to make money. I'm not going to spend all this money so I can have something that burns a hole in my pocket. I have to make it make money. Mm -hmm. And philosophically, that's going to destroy the common space because yeah, it's diametrically opposed for the philosophy of why a common space exists. And that's what's happening. And so, yeah. People need common spaces for so many different things. Uh, you know, just the, just the, like, here's a, there's a, here's a good example of like a real small common space in Okinawa, Japan. They have this thing, these things called a moai, which is basically like when you're born, your parents set you up with like a group of friends and you say like, this is your moai. And like, that means that's like your group of friends for life. Like that's a relationship you have starting at like three and you have it till you're dead. That's a and so and those people that are part of that Mawai, they they engage in the effort to sustain it. Like they'll go get drinks and they'll chat and they'll commune and da 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 da. That's a that's a common space that they create, and that's a common space for like five six people. Well, it's proven that these people in Japan, Okinawa, live longer lives because that community helps all of them deal with stress, deal with trauma. If they have any sort mm -hmm. of issue, they know that they have the capacity to pick up the phone and talk to five people who are all willing to help them out. Man, that's yeah. so helpful. That's what common yeah. spaces can do. That's what they're supposed to do. And now people, the amount of people that if something bad happens to them and they wonder if they could 
call one person to help them? It's a lot of people. That's what private space does, you know? Yeah. And that's why people have so much anxiety and all sorts of problems because the structures that people have created to sustain human life for thousands of years, America said, let's see if we can live without those and see how good it goes. <laughs> it lasts and it just doesn't work. Right. And live in an ethnocidal society. Yeah. 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 Common space is culture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. ethnocide is about destroying culture. So we're, we're you know, living off of destroying the thing that we've survived off of for, you know, thousands of years. Pretty bleak. <laughs> I S- know. But SEL, I, but... <laughs> SEL, SEL has, has language and ideas to counter that, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and Luna, I, I, I hate to bring this up, but man, I still, con- I still think about that time when you got real mad at me. And I really thought about that when you got mad at me. And I was just like, you know what? It doesn't make any sense to be mad at Luna in any way. The only thing that makes sense to do is appreciate all the work she's done. And no matter what, just talk, interact like that. Just be appreciative because that's the thing. That Even if I was annoyed at something, it didn't make sense philosophically to be annoyed. It just didn't. And I refused to do it. Facts. And now I'm like, man, we get along great. And so like, it's one of those things where like as a person who's working on the philosophy and trying to experiment on how to cultivate common space... To have like a moment where like, you know what, if I did or perceive things how people told me to perceive stuff, I very well could have a time where I just don't hang out with Luna and do podcasts once a week. That'd be really easy to do. And philosophically, I had a different approach that adhered to my philosophy. And it's like, you know what? That worked. That's awesome. Doing the right stuff. And now all of our conversations like are a manifestation of like that philosophical vision and man, we're just like super polite to each other all the time. <laughs> you know, it's true. It's just fun. It's a neat example. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, absolutely. And so, um, so I think it would be kind of fun then to end this episode on like a philosophical practice that you might be employing to cultivate a common space. So. Great question. So the, the first thing is the philosophical practice is that you have to like understand that like common spaces don't just like magically happen. Like they're a thing that oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you have to create and you have to create them by consistently doing certain actions. And for some people, the idea of consistently doing any particular action will seem stifling or laborious or whatever. And it's like, no. Like, if you have a philosophy that is about doing, like, a goodness that's, like, experiential, like a lived goodness, the idea of consistently doing something good shouldn't be laborious. That doesn't mean that, like, you're going to be perfect all the time. But if you have that philosophy, which, you know, we, you know, talk about as Evtopia and doing sustainable, nurturing, good things, well, then you'll start perceiving your actions in that way. And you'll perceive like the relationship you want to have with other people is like a good, nurturing, sustainable relationship. And if you perceive that that's what you want to have at the beginning before you say a word, well, then your words are going to be a manifestation of that. And then you'll be able to consistently say those types of words. And that's how you do it because you, you, you're going to, 
you're not going to do it by having like some grandiose dream of like changing the entire world. You're going to have a, a vision of like just having like meaningful, nurturing interactions with the people that you meet. And then that changes the whole thing. So like I'll give one quick story. All right. When I was like, after I graduated undergrad, I started working in the film industry. I was working on like movie sets and stuff. I was working on this one big movie and I had a boss and he was a really nice guy, but he just kind of like wasn't keeping up with the job and he was making mistakes and I was getting really nervous because he'd make a mistake and then he'd tell me to do something that'd be a mistake. And next, you know, like the director and the producer and people are like getting annoyed with us and on a movie you spend a lot of money every day. And if someone's making mistakes and cost you money, like they're going to fire you like flat out. And I was like, I don't, I have no desire to get fired from this movie. And so I had to figure out how to change this dynamic. And what it, what I realized is that when I looked at people on this movie set, I could tell that they were expecting me to mess up because I was on the team that made, that was messing up. And so it's like, for me to start being better, I need to have people like start looking at me, believing that I'm not going to mess up. So I was like, I got to send out good vibrations, good energy all day. And so like, when I get to set, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to say hi to people, like, like a genuine, like meaningful hello. So hopefully like when I say that, they look back at me and they smile. And now I have like people smiling at me, opposed to people just like scouring at me. Like if people were smiling, it makes it easier to like do the right thing. And so, man, that's what I did. No matter how bad I was feeling, you know, anxiety, stress, I had no matter what, I'd see someone and be like, hey man, how's it going? Hey, hey. And next thing you know, everyone on the set, we got the, I got the rhythm. They all liked me. They all wanted me around. It became easier for me to like, if my boss said to do something, I was like, that's a bad idea. I'm going to do something else. Now it's like, okay, cool. I did a good job. All the people that have been smiling at me all day, like good job and then you know so at some point my boss got fired and the producers and all the people on the set they all liked me I stayed and they hired a new person and I was that person's assistant and I was like look at that and so that right there like on a movie set you're just you're literally just making a, a community that's finite you know like the movie starts you're making a community everyone has to live harmoniously together for however long that movie lasts and that will help create like a great product. And in this one example, Mm -hmm. I was able to stay part of that community because I made other people feel good. No matter how I felt, I did that. And then that made me better at my stuff. And then it just like grew. This is before I even had like a philosophy to back it all up and worries and all that kind of stuff, but just like that awareness. And so if you're trying to make communal space, have a philosophy of interacting with people like you want them to be around and that you want to be around and that's the agenda it's public it's not private and if you can do that consistently which is not nearly as hard as people make it out to be a lot of really cool stuff can happen mm-hmm. yeah how was that well thanks so much for sharing that story barry i really appreciate it and um thanks so much to everybody for listening too um Make sure you follow us on socials. We Our handles are at SCL underscore community. And um, also make sure you subscribe to The Ward, our Substack newsletter. Yeah, thanks for coming.
Yeah. We also want to hear from you and about what you want us to talk about next. So if you're listening, please leave us a comment letting us know your thoughts and where you see ethnocide in the world. Yeah. And also Eftopia, where you see good stuff in the world too. That's you know, just yes. to make just to make yeah. it like a little light, you know? Yeah. Show that, show that there's some solutions out there. You know, there's people right. thinking and about not that just too. Problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point, Barrett. Thanks so much. And I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Bye.